the final week, we did a, a two-week emphasis in our um, desire to uh, really understand what it means to be called by God. And so we started the series last week. We're finishing it today. It's just a short, brief look at what it means uh, to be called. But there has truly been much that has been made over the years in the church of, about this idea of being called. And too often, I think we, we lose sight of what, what God is desiring to do in and through our lives because we tend to think that it's not us. That God has called smarter people and more accomplished people uh, to do his will. And that's just not the reality. The reality is that God is desiring to use each of us for his glory. And today I want to talk to you not as a, not as a pastor to, to the church, uh, but, but, but truly as one who has been called to those who have also been called by God. And when we, when we begin to embrace the who it is that God has called us to be, the what begins to become much more apparent. The what that he has us to do. As a follower of, of Christ, the Bible says we are chosen, we are gifted, and all of us are called. And so our text again this week is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And we, we're going to start our conversation there. So if you have your Bibles, you can flip to Ephesians chapter 4. If you're following along on the YouVersion Bible app, the notes and the scriptures are there for you. But Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you that you've called us to yourself. You've called us to walk with you and to do your work, to reach those, Father, that you desire to seek and save. And so, Father, we pray that you'd help us this morning to be open to what you would be saying to us. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Help us understand your great purpose for our lives. God, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be together in your presence. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, last week we, we focused in on this, this passage of Scripture and we focused in on Paul's identification that you have been called by God. Right, we, we, we asked the question, am I called? Am I truly called? And Paul answers that question very succinctly for us. But today I want to zero in on Paul's plea to lead a life worthy of your calling. That's what he says in this passage. Listen to Paul's urgency. He says, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. He says, I beg you. There's an urgency there that can't go unnoticed. It's not, hey, you know, when you, get, when you get around to it, if it's not too inconvenient, if you're feeling good that day, step into your calling. No, I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling. Let that sink in. What, is, what does that mean for you today, Let a, live a life worthy of your calling? What parts of your life maybe are, are you living worthy of your calling? And then, and then perhaps we, we, we look and we say, well, maybe there's some areas in my life that I'm, I'm, I'm not really living worthy of my calling. I think it, it, very succinctly, Paul brings a mirror and he puts it up in front of our faces and he says, 
What does your life look like? Are you living as unto Christ? Are you stepping into the calling that God has placed on you? Are you living a life worthy of your calling? You know, oftentimes we look at church and we, 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 we look at it as an add-on to our lives. We, we kind of go throughout our day and our week and we've, you know, we, we're busy with our, our family and we have our jobs and we've got our hobbies and we've got our, our travel calendar and we've got all these things that are important and that are priority. Oftentimes, church is kind of plugged in there at the end. I'll go to church if I'm not too busy. You know, if all this other stuff, if I can fit it into the schedule, then, then yeah, I'll make sure I go and I do community. Too often we devalue the ability to be in relationship and the ability to be in community. And we don't realize the impact that God is desiring to have in and through our lives in this context of community and relationship. And truly, we are called by God to be the church, to be in community, not just to go to church. And we need to understand the importance what God is desiring to do. I know for many of you, you've struggled through this season of life. This past year has, has, has kind of had a tendency to knock us off, off kilter a little bit, and it's worn us down. And, and some of you are physically and mentally and emotionally just drained. You're spiritually discouraged. And the reality is if the devil can't destroy you, He'll try to discourage you. He'll try to discourage you from your calling. If he can't destroy you, if, you, if you're a follower of Christ and, you, and, and you're walking with God daily, if he can't take you out, then he just wants to get you off track. Because you'll cease to do God's purpose for your life. So how do we overcome these attacks? How do we overcome this discouragement that seems to be lurking around every corner? The fatigue, the exhaustion, the self-doubts, spiritual attacks. How do we keep the passion for life, the life that God has given us? We've got to remember that we're called to this life and be willing to reclaim your calling. That's the title of today's message. Reclaim your calling. When we think of calling, we again often tend to start with the what. What does God want me to be doing? A job or a mission in life. Too many times we miss the who we are called to be. There's a couple things we need to understand to be successful in reclaiming the call that God has placed on our lives. The first thing is this. God doesn't call the prepared. God prepares the called. God doesn't call the prepared. God prepares those who are called. You know, when we, we think of what it means to be called, we often miss the preparation God is doing in each of our lives. And there's three areas that God calls us to as he, as he prepares us for what he desires to do. God calls us to salvation. First, he wants 
intimacy. He wants a relationship with us. God calls us to that place of saving. He desires to redeem his people. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. But before God calls you to a job, he calls you to himself. He desires relationship. He desires to be the Lord of your life. Because Jesus didn't come to call the righteous. But Jesus came to call sinners to repentance, to an understanding of their need of a Savior. I mean, if we look at Jesus' life, if we look at Jesus' ministry, he didn't hang out with the righteous or the, the righteous, so-called righteous of the day. He didn't, wasn't spending time with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the, yes, he spent time in the synagogue. It was to teach, it was to study. But instead, he spent time with the sinners. He, he spent time with the lowest of the low. He desired to reach and love those who were struggling and hurting. But God also calls us to sanctification. It's a big churchy word. But the meaning of sanctification is to set apart for a special purpose. To set apart. And Jesus set us apart and called us to a holy life. He called us to a, 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 a life that is Christ-like. And so God calls us to salvation. He calls us to sanctification. But God also calls us to service. He calls us to serve people. He calls us to love others. And he's given each and every one of you gifts and talents and passions to use in the church and to use in the community and to love people with. And God's calling for your life may be very specific. For me, it's pretty specific. That's called me to be a pastor. Pretty obvious. I stand up every Sunday morning and do what I do. Perhaps for you, God's calling is not as obvious. And perhaps you find yourself wondering each day, well, what, God, are, are you wanting to do through my life? Sometimes it's specific and sometimes not so much. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do, do it as unto Jesus. Whatever you say, whatever you do in your in your job, whatever you do with your family, whatever you do with your friends, do it as unto Christ. Because we're called to live a life that's holy. The question becomes, how do I know if I'm ready for God's call? How do I know if I'm good enough? Because sometimes we look at our lives and we go, I can't be called. I'm not, not ready. Not ready for God to use me. You know, isn't it interesting that Jesus did not call the learned or the scholars? That was not who he tapped. No. He sought out the untrained, the unqualified, the unprepared, the nobody. Went and got a bunch of fishermen and tax collectors and all these different people that people had passed over and said, eh, God can't do anything with those, those people. So what is holding us back from allowing God to use us? 
Is it your training? Is it your knowledge of Scripture? I can't do like Pastor Dan. I can't, can't talk about the Bible like that. I just don't know. I'm not that confident. You're exactly who God wants. You're exactly who Jesus wants to use. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Few of you were wise in the world's eyes when God called you. He doesn't need you to be something you're not. He doesn't need you to go away to Bible school to get a bunch of training. He desires to use you. It's a matter of obedience. It's a matter of a willingness to say yes. You know, my story's not terribly unique, but each of us has a unique story. And I remember for, for me growing up, and I, I went to private Christian school, and I grew up in the church, and I knew all the right things to do. And for me, I was a, a little bit ADD, and uh, I like to be the class clown, and so I was more worried about making people laugh, necessarily listening to my teachers, didn't bode well for me. I remember my fourth grade year, essentially I spent the entire school year sitting out in the hallway, tending to try and dodge the principal as he was walking down the hallway so I'd hide behind a door so I wouldn't get sitting down to the principal's office and get spanked again. Thank you for that. But I was a class clown, and, and, and as I started to get a little bit older, I was making really poor decisions for my life. I was partying with friends, and I was spending time investing myself into things that were not fruitful, were not good, and certainly weren't not pointing people to Jesus. And I can tell you right now, when I attended Salem Academy as a high schooler, there was at least two occasions that I should have been expelled. And I say that as a prior school administrator who had to carry that burden. There was at least two times I should have been kicked out of school. Many others that possibly could have been considered. And I was busy doing all the wrong things. Just messing around, just kind of eking my way through. You know, why do today what you can put off till tomorrow? I mean, that was kind of my motto. And I found myself in this place where I was not really growing in my relationship. And at an early age, oh, little Danny, you're going to be a leader. You're going to be a leader. I don't know what that means. I don't know if I want that. And I remember there was one person at Salem Academy who saw God's potential in me. Her name is Mrs. K. Patterson. Mrs. Patterson. I shared a little bit about her in the past, but Mrs. Patterson was my my junior year AP English teacher. And she was not the friendliest looking woman that's ever walked the face of the earth. When she wasn't smiling, she looked very angry, a little bit tough, terrifying, to be honest with you. Patterson was one of those, those kind of ladies. You, you didn't mess with Mrs. Patterson. And yet she saw something in me when I was cutting up and messing around and, and, and mailing it in every day. I remember one day she pulled me into class. She, she, she kept me after. She sat me down. She got this big smile on her face. And she lit up a room when she smiled. And she said, Dan, 
She said, I believe in you. And I know you can do better than what you're doing. And she said, I want you to know I'm going to challenge you. And I'm going to hold you accountable. And I'm not going to stop believing that you can reach this potential that God has for you. And I just want you to know that. And it was a moment in my life that changed everything. I was like, whoa, this lady believes in me. She's not going to let me off the hook. She's going to hold me accountable. She's not going to let me fall into the background. And that changed the course of my life, to have somebody see the potential in me. I remember as my, navigated in my senior year, and we were getting ready for graduation, as many of our students are. And we had our little senior awards assembly, and, you know, some of the awards were cool and exciting, and we'd clap for our friends, and some of them were kind of a little more like, eh. And I remember at the end of the assembly, they were going to give the T- Timothean Award away. The Timothean Award was, you know, that award that they'd give to a, a senior guy and a senior girl for Christ-like character, and, and you know, we see God's call in your life, and, you know, we want to recognize that. I remember they, they were getting ready to announce the guy, and they said, the Timothean Award, the, the guy for the Timothean Award this year is Dan Clements. What? I looked at my buddies, and I was like, seriously? Is this some kind of a joke? And I remember walking up to Mr. Weber. He was our senior year Bible teacher. I shook his hand, and I looked at him, and I said, Mr. Weber, is this a joke? He said, absolutely not. He said, we see great things in you, Dan, and we expect great things. And it was in that moment that I was like, man, somebody sees potential in me that I don't see. And God desires and sees that potential in you that you don't see. The calling that he's placed on your life. God had to call me first to himself. Break some things off of my life that shouldn't have been there. To bring me to a place where he could, could call me to be a pastor where I could step into what he desired for my life. So there's, there's those three areas of calling, of salvation and sanctification, sinful desires needing to be removed from our lives, the breaking of our pride. I had to have my, had to have my pride broken off of me. I had to be humbled to a place of understanding that it's not about me. It's about him. It's about his desire to reach people and his desire to use me. And then that element of service, that element of understanding that God has called us to love people, to love the church, to love those who are struggling and hurting and who are lost, and that he's called us to humbly serve them. He's called us to step out. The reality is God will prepare you in the who you need to become as he prepares you for the work he has for you to do. So understand that God doesn't call the prepared. God prepares the called. The second thing is this. At times, the criticism and pain that you experience in life will confirm the calling of God on your life. At times, the criticism and the pain that you have to endure will confirm that you're on the right track that you're stepping into the call of God. You know, too many times we look at the were of who we have been 
But we need to allow ourselves to see who we're called to be, who we're called to become. Because we often allow ourselves or others to disqualify us for the call of God. We allow ourselves to look at the past and say, I've done this and I've done too many things and there's no way God can can use this because I know me and it ain't good. And we disqualify ourselves. But the reality is we are being called. Called to live a life worthy of the calling that God has placed on our lives. We're being called. It's a present act of tense. God is continually calling us to himself. And there's two qualities of calling. Calling costs. You realize that God, God called Saul, right? We, we remember in Scripture, God called Saul. How did he do it? Knocked him off his horse, struck him blind, and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Pretty awesome. It wasn't an altar experience where Saul was down and he was like, God, I need to know what you want to do with my life. He's like, I want you to preach the gospel. No. Saul was actively persecuting Christians. And God got his attention. He didn't tell him what he wanted to do, though. He just struck him blind. Awesome. I thought we were going to have this cool experience, you know, with the choir and the sun and everything, and it was going to be awesome. Now, strike me blind, and then tell me why. But once Saul was healed and God brought this conversion experience about, God prepared him for the work he would do. And he was given one of the largest gospel platforms that we have ever seen in Scripture. And he had one of the most incredible missionary journeys that is recorded. In Acts chapter 9, verse 15, it says, But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Calling costs. It costs us something. Even stepping into relationship with Jesus costs us something. It's a free gift, and yet it costs us everything. Because God desires that we would give up control. He desires that we would step into surrender. And so it costs us everything. You may be God's chosen instrument, like Paul, but it comes with a cost. It comes with a willingness to step into his desire. The reality is the moment you step into your calling, you must step out of your comfort zone. I remember when God called us out of, out of the business world into full-time ministry and was working with a successful company, was doing pretty well. We had, had three kids. We had, we had a home in Southern California that we owned and everything was going great. And God said, no, I, I, I have something else for you. And all of that changed. All the security. People I worked with didn't understand. What? You're giving up this to go be a pastor? 
some chuckles around the office and some interesting looks. But calling costs us when we truly step into who God is desiring us to be. Calling also sustains. When we look at the life of Paul, how did, how did he stay faithful? How did he endure? How did he not get discouraged and quit? I mean, look at, look at the life of Paul. He was persecuted. He was tortured. He was imprisoned. He was whipped five different times. He almost drowned. He was stoned. He was bit by a stinking snake, crying out loud. Talk about a life of blessing. How did, how did Paul not go, you know, this all sounded pretty cool. Once you restored my sight, you called me to the, preach the gospel. This all sounded pretty awesome, being a missionary for God. But I'm thinking I'm good. I'm thinking I want to maybe push the retirement button on this whole ministry thing. How did he not come to that place of just going, ah, no, this is a bridge too far. I don't even like snakes, much less being bitten by one. Paul didn't finish because of his amazing competence. Paul was, was one of the most learned disciples, apostles that, that, we, that we know of because he was of the pharisaical nature. He was very stuck. He was very learned. But Paul didn't finish his race because of his competence. Paul finished because he was called. Paul finished because he knew he was doing what God had called him to do. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I press on. I want to finish the race. Because God has called. Paul tells us, I kept the faith. I finished the race because I was called to it. But we've got to understand that God doesn't call the prepared. God prepares the called. And at times, we're going to have to deal with criticism and pain. But I'm here to tell you, that just confirms that you're moving in the right direction with God. It's not always going to be all peachy keen. The final thought is this. The biggest enemy of calling is comfort. And you should never sacrifice your calling to stay comfortable. You know, too often we we come to church and we sit in our nice cushy chairs and we kind of recline back and we have our donut holes and our coffee and we're like, isn't life grand? And at times, our, our Western follower of Christ model can sometimes be pretty comfortable. And yet, the enemy of the calling of Jesus Christ is comfort. Because if we aren't stepping outside of our comfort zone, we're not truly walking in faith. Because God has called us to step out of the boat. God has called us to step into the water before it parts. 
God has called us to do some crazy stuff that really requires a response of faith. Because if we're comfortable, we're doing it wrong. If following Jesus isn't simultaneously the greatest gift and the greatest burden, you're probably not doing it right. I'm, that, might be tough. that might be tough for people to hear. Oh, I, I, was, I was expecting this was all going to be blessing. It was going to be great. Nowhere in Scripture do we see that this life will be without trial. In fact, Jesus says, in this world you will have, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So we've got to understand, serving Jesus is a gift, and it's a grind. It can be hard. And living your calling, while it is a thrill, it can also be a burden. Ministry has been at times exhilarating, and at times it's been exhausting. There have been moments, quite a few moments in the last year that Gretchen and I have these pinch me moments, and we get to be back in Albany in this community we love. We get to be back in this church ministering to people we love. And there's also been those days and those moments where it's been like, this is hard. (laughs) This is tough. The reality is God never promised following him would be easy. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he was hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Paul had to struggle through some tough stuff, but he never mistaked that following God's call for his life would be easy, that it should be comfortable. Perhaps today God is calling you to reclaim your calling to grab hold of what he's desiring to do in your life. Perhaps you've been away from God and you've made some decisions that you're not proud of and you look at your life and you go, God can use a lot of people, but he can't use me because I know me and this is not what God does. And you've relinquished that ability for God to use you. Maybe you feel like this past season, this COVID season, this Difficult year has just knocked you off your spiritual game. It's just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like doing relationship. I just feel like hunkering down and waiting for Jesus to return. Because he's coming back and he's going to judge all these wackadoos anyway. So I should probably just hang out and wait. i got to think that Paul at some point could have thought that would have been a good idea. You know what? I, I'm, not, I'm not enjoying this anymore. So maybe I'll just wait for, all, for God just to come and smite all these yahoos. But that's not what he did. Because here's the good news. Romans chapter 11, verse 29. Where God's gifts and his call never be withdrawn. God's gifts, his call, 
can never be withdrawn from your life. Ever. I saw this the other day when I was looking at that scripture. It says God's call is irrevocable. It's a nice big multi-syllable word. Irrevocable. That means it can't be revoked. It can't be recalled. It can't be repealed. It can't be withheld. It can't be withdrawn. God's call on your life is absolute. Are you willing to reclaim it? Are you willing to step into it? Are you willing to say, yes, God, I don't know what today is going to bring. I don't know who you're bringing across my path, but my answer is yes. Today is the day to reclaim your calling. Because you and I are called to it. It's as simple as that. Would you stand to your feet as we close this morning? Father, we thank you that you have called each and every one of us uniquely. That you've called us, Lord, to this place of understanding that there are people on this earth that only we will have contact with, that only we will communicate with, that only we will have the ability to speak to their heart by the power of your Spirit. And today I thank you for reminding us, God, that your plan and your purpose and your call on our life is absolute. It is without fail. So God, our desire is to step into that calling, to reclaim that calling. God, I thank you that we don't have to do it in our own power. We don't have to do it in our own strength. Your Holy Spirit desires to bring about the supernatural when we are willing to step into obedience. So today, God, we humble ourselves And we say yes. We say yes to your calling. We say yes to the desire you have for our lives. We ask that you give us strength, Father, that you give us courage to step into those moments that will stretch us as we step out of our comfort zone. God, I pray that you would bring that confirmation to our lives that as we do that, as we step out in faith, that you've equipped us, that you've given us exactly what we need, that you'll give us the words in the moment where we sit across from somebody who's hurting, who's discouraged, who's exhausted. And that you will give us that word in season to break through all the noise to speak to their heart. God, use us, we ask. We know that you've called us, and so we say yes. We ask that you would be with us as we step out in your name. Thank you, Father. Thank you. And this morning, if you are in this place or you joined us online and you are at this place of, 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 of saying, I, I don't know about this whole calling thing, but I, I, I want to step into God's purpose. I don't want to just live this life and, and, and come to the end of it and say, what, what did I ever accomplish? 
but you know that you have been created with a purpose. Today you want to step into that relationship with Jesus and step into your calling and reclaim who it is that God has called you to be. If that's you today, whether you are asking Jesus to be the Lord of your life for the first time or you've been away from God and you're coming back to that place of understanding He's calling you back to Himself, we want to pray with you. We want to pray a simple prayer and Scripture tells us if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we believe in our heart that Christ was raised from the dead, we'll be saved. It's a matter of belief and faith to step into God's call. So this morning, we're going to pray this prayer together, and we would invite you to pray it and just believe it from your heart. The Bible says you will, you'll be saved. You'll have a restored relationship with Jesus. The church family, can we say this today? Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe your son Jesus Christ came to this earth to show me how to live. And he died and was raised back to life so that I could have a relationship with you. I ask you today to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change as I choose to live my life for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so excited that you've made that decision today. We want to walk with you in your decision to follow Jesus with your whole heart. We ask if you've made that decision today, if, if you're here in the, in the church, if you grab the connection card that you can find in the seat in front of you or out in the lobby and fill that out and just say, I accepted Jesus as my Savior this morning. Drop that in the box. We'd like to get in touch with you. If you're if you just email us and info at obelienc.org. Let us know that you've made a decision to follow Jesus. We want to walk with you. We want to get you on the right path to take the next steps in your journey with Jesus. We want to get you a Bible if you need one. They're out in the lobby. Those are available. Those are our gift to you. The church family, I want to encourage you with this. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 11 and 12 says, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. God's greatest desire is to be glorified through each and every one of our lives. So as we go out of this place, it should be with excitement and enthusiasm that God is desiring to reach people through us. So today, as we reclaim our calling, as we step into what God is desiring for our lives, let's make the decision to see the world through God's eyes, to see people the way he sees them, to love people, and in everything we do, let's be obedient to that call to be the neighborhood. God bless you and have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week.